I'm Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello and welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bav. Me, Fluff. And today, ladies and gentlemen, you join us for the second part of our look at the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, where this time we'll be covering episodes 6 through 10. But of course, before we get started, I must turn to the immortal words of Pink Floyd and quote the song When the Tigers Broke Free and say, and the Anzio Bridgehead was held for the price of a few hundred ordinary lives. It's a very good song, actually, about... um. Uh, it's about his grandfather's experiences in the Second World War. I was going to say, it's a very poetic one from you for a change. Indeed. Um, there's there's many, many lines I could have picked, to be honest. I just quite liked that one because of the, for the, yeah, was held for the price of a few hundred ordinary lives. Um, that, that is very poetic, I feel, that line. But yeah, the tigers in the title refers to the tiger tanks and is specifically about a battle where tiger tanks came out. Anyway. How are you, my friend? I'm not too bad. How about yourself? I'm not too bad either. Um, we'll get into what we've, uh, if we've watched anything since we last recorded, but obviously recording these once a week at the minute is uh, meaning that we, we watch less stuff in between, or certainly I'm, you know, midway through the second season of Clone Wars now, just to keep everyone up to date <laughs> with how that's progressing. Um, uh, I won't say anything though. I'll keep my opinions to myself. But uh, so before we crack on, let's um, let's do the admin. Uh, you can uh, get in touch with us at uh, facebook.com forward slash the screen masters. Um, you uh, over there, you can get all the information on where you can find the podcast. Uh, we post other bits and pieces like there's a quiz up there at the minute and things that the answers uh, just been posted for. Um, you can also head over to uh, bit.ly forward slash BiteBackYT, which is the YouTube channel for the BiteBack Media Network we're part of. Obviously, we're not putting the current episodes up because we're not video recording them at the minute, but you can go back and see the back catalogue before this all kicked off um, and what we have got up there if you want to. And also, you can email us more directly at screenmasters at bitebackmedia.co.uk. And remember, in all cases, the bite is spelt like a computer bite, not a food bite. Right, I've exhausted myself for a couple of minutes there. Over to you. <laughs> what, you, uh, you um, anything interesting? You got any news to bring us? No, I mean, that's the thing. It's been a, a quiet quiet week on the viewing, I suppose. Um, the only thing of note, but again, it's, uh, you know, we'll go to the wrestling ding ding uh, section, uh, mm-hmm. which was uh, Double or Nothing, which was uh, AEW's Double or Nothing, I should, uh, should, should correctly point out for those who don't know the side of wrestling, uh, which was a very, very entertaining... Uh, pay-per-view uh the main event the uh stadium stampede match which pitted the uh the elite versus the inner circle or chris jericho's inner circle sure people will know who chris jericho is by now that was very entertaining this uh this this era that we're living in at the moment of uh cinematic wrestling matches uh during the lockdown uh, this was by far the best one that they've done so far. BWE stuff as well. Uh, it's it was just uh, just entertainment, pure yeah. unadulterated entertainment. And I switched off for the hour mm-hmm. that I was watching that, and it Absolutely. was hugely entertaining. 
Yeah. Uh, but other than that, no, it's it's really been a quiet week. We've been doing a bit of gaming between us and uh, and our good friend Maggie. So yeah, again, uh, what watching stuff. Sometimes you need a bit of a break uh, from watching stuff. Um, just just to kind of find something to to get your teeth into. I watched the first episode. I'll mention of Space Force. I think it's the Steve Carell series, which is on a particular streaming site. Right. It didn't wow me. It didn't. The first episode didn't wow me. Um, John Malkovich is in it, and in what appears to be a comedy role. I love John Malkovich when he's funny. Um, yeah, I yeah. rewatched. I don't think I mentioned this the last time, but I rewatched Red and Red Two. Oh, uh, I yeah, think yeah. Red popped up on Netflix. Neither of them is particularly special, um, but you know what the 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 banter between Bruce Willis and John Malkovich reminds me how fucking funny John Malkovich really is. I've yeah. seen him in so many things and in actually comedy is he's really is his wheelhouse. He's very good at the drama and things like that as well. But God, when he's in funny film, uh, yeah, it was I always loved. Uh, uh, one of my favorite baddies he's ever played was Cyrus the virus from Con yep. Air, because he is <laughs> fucking <laughs> evil, sadistic fuck. But at the same time, he's funny. Yeah, he has some incredibly hilarious, witty put downs of people as he's going through, yeah. or some really amusing, sarcastic comments as he's going along. Doesn't make him any less threatening. No. It doesn't make him, you know, not a, not feel like a bad guy just because he can make a joke. So uh, yes, yeah, like I say, it's been a bit quiet on the viewing front. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, not too much. Me and the uh, I forced the children to sit and watch uh, the Love Bug the other day on Disney Plus. Oh, which is God, the first Herbie movie. Mm, I recall, um, yeah. Yes, although it took me ages to find because I forgot it's not actually called Herbie. It is just called The Love Bug. And if you type Herbie into Disney+, Plus, it comes up with all the other films apart from that one. Which is I'm trying to remember, is is The Love Bug the one where the car gets cut in two? Yep, that's it. Now, they, see, there you go. I, know, I remember it's that one. the first one. It's the most famous yeah. one. Yeah, yeah car yeah. gets cut in two. They finish first. The back end of the car finishes first. The front end of the car finishes third. And the baddie <laughs> finishes second. Yeah. Even though, even though me as a obviously as an adult sitting watching it, I was going, "Well, that just doesn't fucking work. <laughs> it just doesn't fucking work." The engine's in the back of the car, so maybe the back could win, but the, the front wouldn't go anywhere because it's got no power. Well, you know. Um, but yeah, they, uh, my son really enjoyed it, um, and my daughter said she did, but I'm not convinced she actually did. I think she just liked the family time, but I appreciate that either way. But I have said I'll make them watch the rest because the payoff will be for them to watch Herbie fully loaded, which will be very much their version of it. Yay! Which is well, Lindsay Lohan. It, Yay! As a fan of Herbie, I don't mind that film. It takes okay. it, it, it. It's quite. I yeah, I don't mind it too much. It is. I, I feel it's like a reboot for the noughties, which is what it was. It's the same idea, same story, just with better CG, better effects, so they can do a bit more silly stuff with it. Um, the only other thing I'd noted was I'm I'm very happy because I read the other day that Sylvester Stallone has decided he's going to do a Demolition oh. Man too. Yeah, we touched on this off pod, didn't we? Yeah, uh, and I I fucking oh, love man. Demolition Man. I, was, I and, love Demolition. I bring this up because the same as our little brief Starship Troopers discussion the other day. Mm. I was re- going to rewatch Starship Troopers for the episode I'm working on about the best bad films, mm. and you know my favourite bad films. And again, that one, Demolition Man, popped into my head because I was like, is that a good film? Is it actually a good film? 
Or is it a, a crap piece of 90s nonsense that I just mm -hmm. really enjoy? But the more I read into it, actually, there is quite a groundswell of support for that film actually being a good action film. Yeah, I and find again, it. The more I think about action, it in yeah. those contexts, actually, yeah, it is. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it was great like. Action. Um, it's got two huge action stars at their peak yeah. facing off against yeah. each other. That was and the thing. It's got uh, Sandra Bullock. The whole thing yeah, about the it. no sex and the um, murder, death, kills. I remember that and the no swearing. Yeah, uh, like you say, he keeps getting the uh, the the fact that it's like Sandra Bullock's first big foray into kind of mainstream films. You look at the successful career that she's had since then. Uh, you know, win Academy Awards and directing and and producing and whatnot. Um, Wesley Snipes, obviously, this was kind of at that peak crux of his career obviously yeah. he went up and did blade and, and and various other things there until yeah, blade was not you know, the tax man this, though, up wasn't it no not, not at all not at all this was kind I, of I it, consider you know, blade so, sort yeah. of peak snipes as well before yeah i don't know blade 2 was probably the, the too his much powder peak, or whatever it was uh yeah or whatever the hell it was apparently it was high as a kite when he was doing three uh yeah i, I, I remember, remember those stories uh, yeah, yeah Pat Nosworth and, and Ryan Reynolds, and, uh, and yeah, and <laughs> Slice Alone again. You're like he's he's still old. Uh, like mm -hmm. Slice Alone, you look back at this and you go, Jesus Christ, he's still old. And then like you look at a film 20, 30 years and you go, you know what? You've not you're not aged too badly in the last 20, 30 he's years. He's gotten a bit rougher, and I can't yeah. understand him at all now. <laughs> I struggled with his voice yeah. in the first place, but now I really can't understand what he's saying. And you know what? It's just occurred to me. I was just thinking, you know, what? I haven't watched the last Rambo. The, the last stand Oof, and then first. i went Oof. no fuck i have watched it it's just so fucking shit and forgettable yeah it's mostly I, I've fallen out the back of my head because actually it's horrible and yeah, it's I've horrible it for bad. no reason yeah. and then it turns into rambo does home alone for the last yeah. bit <laughs> for the third act yeah, but like, there's a storyline with a girl i think i think we may have even discussed it on pod you know we may well have done web. Jesus, this all blends into one at the minute. Anyway, let's move <laughs> off that then before I make myself out sound like a fool and give my review of Rambo The Last Stand again, even though it doesn't deserve a review the first time round if I did do it. Um, so, yes, we are back looking at the 2001 HBO series Band of Brothers. In the previous part, we covered episodes... Uh, there was a word there somewhere. Covered episodes one through five so if you haven't listened to that part please do go back uh released a couple of weeks no nope, would have released about four weeks ago uh at the time of record uh the time of um release yeah well let's face it the the continuity of when we're recording when it's releasing is completely gone out the window now so yes we've we have been no recording all these two parts split yeah. from one to the next to the next hopefully what we're trying to do guys is get ourselves ahead so that the next time we'll need to record will be sort of july and then hopefully we'll have access to better recording facilities again and we can actually be together again in some sort of uh, socially appropriate scenario to record this stuff but hey ho at the minute we're still using discord um so yes let i shall pass the torch over to you and bring up the notes on my phone for episode six so uh as we left the uh previous one so the previous episode that we had left uh which was crossroads where um basically it, it kind of ends with winters um who is damien lewis's character again for the, for those who just need a bit of reminding that was his uh you know that was his uh elevation and now he's in command of the whole battalion. So we've seen that as the episodes have kind of progressed, he's obviously been in command. He's he's 
you know, been well respected by the members of Easy Company, the sergeants follow him, the the you know the general men follow him, and now he's been put in that position where he's actually in charge. So again, it's it's kind of that thing of you see uh, his overall development, but you actually acknowledge the fact that he's probably the best person to to lead this. So we lead into uh, Bastogne, which is one of the most harrowing fucking episodes uh, I think you, you'll ever watch of most TV shows. The sheer fear uh, that some of these guys must have been going through. So this is this is commonly known as the Battle of the Bulge as well for for those people who who know bits and bobs about the Second World War. Yeah, essentially what Bastogne in France. Yeah, so essentially yeah, what this stuck, essentially. Yeah, so they were in uh, kind of a wooded in enclosure and they were just surrounded on on all sides pretty much by Germans and they were just getting shelled and fired upon uh you know constantly with very little resource with very little clothing with very little food very little yeah, that's ammo. The thing, isn't it? I did, this is all the stuff that I didn't realize sorry to cut you off there but th- this is the stuff that got to me as the episode's going through I'll mention it now but is that you always think like that that when you're going out to do your job particularly if it's the army that you'd have the right equipment it's never occurred to me that you would send an army out in the dead of winter in freezing conditions with without the appropriate equipment. But of course that happened. You know, I, I, it's just my naivete that, that, that made me go, really? You would, they're still going out there? I mean, can you imagine that in the modern day? Yeah. People would go, no, I'm not going out there. I need a coat. Yeah. Yeah. I want some gloves. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, you didn't have a choice. Yeah, you you don't go out there and fight. You're gonna die. Mm-hmm. What do you want? <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, the amount of ammo when they were saying because again, it's the picking apart the 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 documentary bit at the beginning and the the uh, the sort of what you see in the episode and and ammo is very scarce and it gets to the point where they're like, oh, each person's got enough for one, you know, one round per gun. You're like, what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? You're getting shelled and by fucking mortars and shit, and you got people in the ditch just opposite you, and you got one bullet, and then you know. And so I was thinking like, oh, dramatic contrivance. But at the beginning, the the, the talking head goes, yeah, there were times there where we we literally had one bullet each in our guns, and we had no idea what we were going to do if they ran at us. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Yeah, that's crazy. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah, it's but the scene. Uh, it's you just, know, where... say, just a dawning experience this episode for me for how how. Like I say, naive, perhaps I, I, I am towards you know war and what happens in war and the realism of war because that sort of stuff you know I never saw that sort of stuff in Saving Private Ryan. Maybe I missed it, but I don't remember there being problems. Yeah, with- it's this is the thing uh, when it comes to these kind of things, you hear it in war programs or you know uh, even say you know going to say star trek ds9 where where the war is happening in ds9 they talk about supply lines and things like that and you don't really understand the significance of it and they say like well you know we've cut their supply lines off or our our supply lines have been drawn thin what are the supply lines your supply of ammo of clothing of food basically what keeps your army survival uh to survive sorry and Mm. what was the really uh you know poignant scene and and you mentioned it because we talked about jimmy fallon um for randomly just appearing and he you know appears in a jeep with with a load of ammo and again there's loads of guys just walking away from the battle and they're just completely shell-shocked they have no fucking idea what's going on they're completely out of it because of what the experience they've gone through 
Yeah. And they're like, oh, you can't, yeah, we, we just got, they just took over us, man. Okay. And they're just grabbing all the yeah, ammo. They're these just taking ammo off of everything, everything they everything can. Everything that they can grab. Um, and, and that's it, like, Okay, yeah, yeah they're, they're running low on supplies at this point. Yeah, and like you say, I mean, half of, as, as you'll get into as a minute, but part of the storyline for the character we follow for this for about at least 10 or 15 minutes yeah. is literally just running from one person to the next trying to get some morphine. Yeah, and also a bandage scissors. And, and a, a pair, pair of, of fucking scissors. scissors. Yeah. And uh, it, it's yeah. ridiculous, but go on. I, I, I hand it back to you. Apologies. I just wanted to come no, no, that to a... sort of a general point that, yeah. that sort of dawned on me at this stage. That, as you say, it's it's the background of the war. That's what I've... It, it, I, I never thought about that. The back end. Like you say, how do you plan these supply routes to keep the frontline troops stocked up? Uh, well, you've got to keep that land then, haven't you, behind you? Mm -hmm. So you can't just push forwards and then let them sweep in behind you, which is essentially what had happened here. Yeah, and this is where the Blitzkrieg, the, the German Blitzkrieg, didn't always work for them because they would, you know, uh, run forward, uh, you know, dash forward, attack, dash forward, attack, dash forward. And so what they were doing, the German tanks were constantly moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, but they were stretching their supply line so thin that that became the, the fundamental problem for the Germans. There's a great, I think we've mentioned it before, World War II in colour, which oh, yeah. is on a particular on streaming Netflix, site. Yeah. No, no, very much. Start mentioning the name because when this when this whole lockdown thing's off, they might be doing advertising again, so we can. Okay, okay. So on Netflix, everybody. It's maybe seven fifty a month. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a great series called World War Two: A Color. It, it covers every aspect of World War Two that you never knew that you wanted to know about, and it's very, very interesting. And Blitzkrieg is, is part of it. So anyway, let's go back to to, to actual Band of Brothers. So yeah, we follow this story uh, with the medic Eugene. Uh, I think he's Eugene Rowe. I think his full name is. But um, so this is a kind of a back character that we've seen throughout some of the episodes because somebody shouts "medic," you see yep. Eugene saber run over. So you you kind of get the impression this is our medic. So we're very much following his story throw out this now as you say it's a case of him going around and checking the men uh while they're stuck in the woodlands in the freezing cold and he's going around and checking on the well-being of the men what becomes apparent as as we progress is yeah he he's got his own well-being to actually worry about as well which he's not considering thankfully winters is very good enough to kind of notice it and tells him a little bit later go and get a hot meal go and get some rest because you're our medic, and if you go down, we are fucked, basically. Um, but yeah, it, it covers Eugene as he goes from pit to pit, because they've all dug their own little pits or, or foxholes. Foxholes, yeah. Foxholes. So they've each dug their foxholes and stuff like that. You know, they're keeping warm. Uh, you know, they're trying to keep saying and things like that. It's the beautiful, it's it's the little moments, the beautiful little moments. Like he goes into a foxhole with a couple of guys and they sat there and they're just, I don't know whether it's soup or just some warm water, tea, coffee, whatever. And that's it. They're boiling it. And the doc comes in and they all call him doc, uh, you know, and he doesn't call them by their nicknames. So they've all got nicknames. Yeah, you can't yeah. help but be in an army and not have a nickname. Yeah. And so he does. He, he doesn't call people by their nickname. He calls them by... Uh, you know, their surname or the Christian name, which is just... What is the one example of that, that the whole way through, he's calling someone by their other name, and they're like, why don't you call me this? I can't remember who it is now. It's Babe. The babe. guy who he finally talk, gives, uh, who actually it. gives the nickname to it at the, at the very, it. very end. And then it's right at the end, isn't it, that yeah. he actually calls him Babe, and he goes, you just yeah. called me Babe. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like a breaking point for him. Um, so yeah, so they're going through various. He's going through foxhole for foxhole, like you say, looking for morphine, making sure they've got enough morphine, making sure they've got bandages. Uh, you know, looking for a pair of scissors so that you know people that have got you know trench foot at this point, people's feet are fucking freezing at this yeah. point. He's telling people how to keep the you know their shoes, their boots. Uh, you know, these are the things that they had to do, and this is one of the most important episodes I think for me because it was showing the. Even in the downtime where there's no action, this is, you know, not an action filled one, but they still got to maintain. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It is. is. We spend most of our time flying around with the medic from here to there to there to there. So he's not in the action per se, but there there is action around him. And he just sort of comes in and out of it as the story, you know, as his story dictates. So, um, you know, he, you know, one of his soldiers gets wounded at one, one of the soldiers gets wounded at one point. Sorry, going back to my point. Yeah, he, he keeps going in and out of the foxholes. And at one point they give him some coffee and it's like he just takes a sip and it's just like hands it back. Those are the little moments that I feel brings that camaraderie that really yeah. shows this brotherhood. Uh, you know, these band of brothers, this is showing that brotherhood that they are looking out for each other, even in these little things. A little bit of, you know, warm water and things like that keeps the, you know, morale up. So somebody gets injured and then he goes off into the town with him, puts him on a jeep and, and they obviously take him to a church. This is, you know, in the middle of France. This this whole this is in town, Baston town. Baston, yeah. And the whole town has just been bombed to absolute shit. One of the few buildings still surviving is the church. So they go into the church and, you know, there's, there are just, you know, makeshift gurneys everywhere. There are lines and lines of injured people small injuries big injuries you know he meets this french nurse and they get a bit they build a bit of a relationship a bit of a rapport he's asking for what supplies he can get she gives him a box and just loads him up with bandages and this that and the other so again they're like he's having to scrape what resources he can from people who really have no resources whatsoever as well um and it's yeah it's 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 har- harrowing to see everything that they go through they talk about a little bit you know how each of them is kind of treating their soldiers and how what they're doing is still important like everything is going on around them and he sees that the reaction that soldiers get from when she goes to to try and help out uh you know he's like you've got a calming touch like you're doing a good thing you're doing a good job um but she hates it because she's like this. Is, it feels like a curse to her that she's just helping people and they're dying and they're injured and they're dying and and you know it's they're trying to save people's lives and then at one point they lose you know they're each trying to help save this guy and he, he dies and it's just that bitter feeling that as much as they try there's going to be somebody else wheeled through the door the next you know the, the, the next five minutes. Mm, um, so again, like there's there's bombs and whatnot going off in Bastogne. Um, you know the the guys are getting injured and and and. Shit is not going great for them there. You know, there's just explosions left, right, and center. Like when there's shelling, you've just got trees just exploding left, right, and fucking center. We get a few of the, you know, important cast members injured at this point. Um, and, and it's really harrowing to see because you see these guys like being blown apart and you're like, fucking hell, people getting buried by trees. And it is, like I say, this is one of the most harrowing ones because yeah, it's not the enemy in front of you that you could pick up a gun and shoot the enemy right in front of you. You know, it's not, they're not, they're miles away. They're shelling from miles away. You've no idea whether you're going to get a hit or not. Mm. Um, so this continues. And then the Germans one night, you know, you hear a lot of explosion. Uh, and then one night, basically the, the town has been bombed to absolute 
hell. And so Eugene goes back um, at this point, you know, he's, he's, he's gone back to the, the church to try and help out, try and get more resources, etc., and finds that the nurse that he'd kind of built up a rapport and who shared chocolate with him and stuff has died. Um, and he only, you know, and he only, the only semblance of acknowledgement is the fact that he pulls out her handkerchief or like her head bandana thing from the rubble. So he knows that she's there, which he then uses. He's like, he wants to keep it. He doesn't want to lose it, but then he needs it for a wound later on. And he looks at it and then he just tears it up anyways. Like this is, you know, I need to help somebody out. And that's the point where he calls the guy babe because he's had that, he's had that moment of, of realization. Mm. Your thoughts uh, on this episode? Well, I, yeah, I, I, so yeah, like you say, this, it's cold. It's the dead of winter. No one's got anything. This episode, the atmosphere that they created with this episode, I don't know how they did it. I don't know whether they actually shot it in the winter, wherever mm. they were. Because I, I mean, I think they did. They must have been cold wherever they were because of the the, uh, you know, the the uh, what do breath. you call it? Breath. Thank you. Yeah, you can see their breath. Um. So and again, it's two thousand and one. So I don't think they were going to the extent of CGing cold breath out of everyone's mouth. So I assume they did shoot it somewhere fairly cold. Um. But I yeah, I fucking so cold. And it it's the, the, what word was I, my touchstone last time? Authenticity authentic it feels absolutely authentic i believed that they were there i felt like i was there mm. it was absolutely crazy there's a bit at the beginning when like you said when he first meets the french doctor and I, I, again it's that i've not written down his name and i feel really bad now because he is fucking fantastic and i've never seen him in anything else the guy who plays eugene but he is incredible and i love that bit where they first bond because she's help, trying to help someone, and I God the again the that sequence I felt physically squirmy when a sequence makes you squirm because I'm fairly <laughs> sure if I remember rightly they're digging inside someone's body trying to squeeze a vein, you know, trying to stop a, a bleeding vein with their hands or whatever, and they're trying yeah. to dig in and find it, and it just made me go, oh God, that's horrible. But yeah, again, you would the authenticity doctor, of it. It's insane. Um, I I think it was supposed to be this way, but there's a speech in there where is it from the general when he comes down, and of course everyone's got no supplies and all that sort of stuff, and they're telling them, and this general comes down and gives them like a, a merry Christmas speech for Christmas. Oh yeah, a little pep talk. Yeah, yeah. I just straight this this merry Christmas speech is so weird for me. Mm -hmm. It's such bullshit. Rally the troops, crap. And I just I hate that sort of shite in the face of absolute nonsense you know when you when you can see plain as day what the situation is and you're still putting this propaganda rally the troops bullshit up in yeah. front of them uh, and i just don't get why because i i know the argument was in the past you know morale you got to keep the morale up if you let them know what the situation actually is they'll lose mm -hmm. hope bollocks look at the way they all react to it they all mm -hmm. know it's a load of shit. No one gets yeah, they all just walk away like, it. Oh, that They're was a like, fucking joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking hell. So we're not getting any fucking supplies then, are we? Because that twat's not fucking, you know, uh, just crazy. Um, This was the point I made a note as well, because there's a bit, like you say, when we go to one of the front foxholes right on the front line, mm. uh, I think it's the one where the guy who's got trench foot is. Because he has to, uh, Kirk Acevedo, Acevedo, I think his name is. 
Uh, that's the actor anyway. Because um, like you said, Eugene has to go and get a pair of boots for him because mm-hmm. he's lost his boots and he's going to get trench foot. Um, but Buck, Neil McDonough, mm-hmm. at this point I was like, is he going crazy? Because there's mm-hmm. that bit in that foxhole and he's just talking crap he's just just, not making any sense blank he's just staring forward his expression is blank and he's just talking shit and then he kind of catches himself and then yeah and this this is the the beginning of where you see so good and so subtle that i just made the note of are they starting him going crazy or have Mm. i missed something prior to this um the sequence towards the end like you say when he's uh when eugene is going back to bastogne and it's all being you know, it's all been bombed to shit. I thought that was incredibly well done. So heart-wrenching. The music was perfect. Again, the authenticity of the set. It looked fantastic. I, I don't know how they did this shit. I really don't. Because it, it doesn't yeah. look like sets to me. I'm sure they were. But they just, they don't look like sets. It looks like there's real stuff around the outside of it. Um, And yes, as you say, the the what followed was the Battle of the Bulge, which then led to their quote-unquote rescue um which is uh was listed in text at the end of the episode but that continues to play forwards with us because as far as easy company are concerned they didn't need rescuing um, yes that's their words isn't it no one from easy company has ever said yes. that they needed yeah rescuing. it's the, the thing at the end of the episode like oh general s patterns like oh yeah we came and, and we came you know, and rescued saved these you. boys yeah and, they were and like, they're like two fingers up you. fuck, fuck you. off pal you exactly. you can go fuck yourself. You didn't rescue shit. We were holding this line. We didn't need your fucking assistance. Yeah, we just needed people to p- come and back us up and help us push forwards. But like you say, they were holding it perfectly fine as far as they were concerned in the situation they were in. I I mean, yeah, you've covered most. Of, I I could I think I could quite possibly go on for hours about this episode. Mm. I, I could probably write an entire essay on it because it it's, is one of the yeah. most perfect pieces of television i've ever seen in my life or not even television it's it's the the recorded art you know i i consider it a small movie because Mm. of the production value and quality in it It, it, it's one of the most incredible things i've seen on television it impacted me so so much because as i've as i've explained at the beginning i hadn't thought of an entire part of war until this episode and then to see this little bit character who at the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, do I really want to follow the medic around? And he's just so fucking good. And they bond over the fact that he's Cajun. So he speaks French, which is a lovely touch. And I don't know whether the lad who played him is from New Orleans or that sort of area, but good God, he did a magnificent Cajun accent because I was trying to click onto what his accent was right at the beginning. I was like, he's got such a, such a twinge to his accent. I can't quite place it. And then when you said he was from, he was Cajun, I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. He sounds a little bit like the guy who used to overblow the Gambit voice in the X-Men cartoon. Obviously, that was a, an over-the-top impression. Um, this, this, is, this is my favourite episode by a long, long shot. I, I adore this episode. I would, like I say, I, I, if I was a lecturer in any sort of televisual arts, I would show my, my children, you know, I would show my pupils this. And I think you could show them this episode for any any part of filmmaking, directing, writing, acting. That that it, it just music, uh, sound design, set design, production design. You can pick any element of it, and I fucking guarantee you, it's perfect. 
and you could use it as an example to to teach people how to set things up like that yeah it's it's all of the elements of i quite liked it yeah yeah <laughs> I, I got that impression um and it's it's really funny that I have, i've been telling you for ages to watch this and you find it uh, <laughs> uh but no it's, this the is the one this podcast say, provides us isn't it this is it uh to watch great shows and, and encourage you to do the same everybody uh but yeah it's it's uh, great acting great storytelling um you know from the the little things to the big things it, it is a, an examination of how prepared soldiers are in war. Not always. You know, that, that probably still goes down today. You know, people yeah, are putting yeah, war zones in situations where they do not have the right kit and, uh, and, and gear and weather equipment and all this, that, and the other. But guess what? They still got to fucking go out and do the job. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was just one of the, the, the best ones for me. But we, we could probably spend a, a good deal more on this. But we'll move on to the next episode because we. Uh, still got a few to go so um the next episode essentially i i stopped myself making notes at some point in that episode (laughs) because i was like this is going to be an entire episode if i carry on so i just stopped and i just bullet pointed some things i needed to touch on um so the next one is breaking point um and this is basically the the battle near foy uh in in belgium so this is this is a bit hard in a couple of places. Again, as we'll 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 get to. Uh, unfortunately, the injury and the removal in in some respects of a number of characters that we've kind of. Oh no! Yeah, I'm just looking through my notes, going there you no, go. no. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so it kind of it, it also questions um, th- at this point the the go- the company's commander the worst goddamn commander who literally just disappears and keeps going right i'm going for a walk and then i've got a meeting and you don't see him for literally the entire episode he just ups and disappears and they're like um where is it uh dyke that was it norman dyke i think it is they're like oh where's lieutenant dyke don't know uh and it's just yeah it's it's because it, uh, doesn't it transpire that he's you know friends of someone in the high command yeah, or something yeah, he, so that's yeah, he's why he's been given a high position role so that he can then move up into the higher echelons and all that yeah uh but it kind of so it starts off with um a few members of easy company and they come across this german on a salt uh, on a horse sorry who's a rider you know, uh, probably a communications officer or something like that. He's obviously shifting messages. So they managed to kill him, and uh, it turns out he's got uh, a Luger, which is something that one of the Hobbler, Hubler, Hubler, yeah. I think it is, Hubler, yeah. uh, has been that looking for right since day isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's like, like yeah, I'm going to get a Luger. Luger. Yeah. yeah. And so, anyway, so he, he gets that, and uh, he's talking to to shifty and stuff like that because shifty wasn't there any kind of so shifty is the the company sniper who is the best shot and this comes up so many times throughout the series shifty is so like literally you you would always want shifty on your on your side put it that way um and and i love him uh and and they kind of joke and he's showing off his luger and stuff like that unfortunately um this doesn't go well because uh hubler accidentally shoots himself in the leg with the Luger, he's, he's kind of showing it off, doesn't realize, and shoots himself in the leg. Now, this is again one of those scenes where they're ripping his, you know, ripping his trouser legs apart. That, you know, Eugene's getting in there trying to grab yeah. the vein, just trying to, literally trying to get, and they can't find it, and he ends up dead. And it's just like, it out. fucking horrible. Even, even when they're not fighting, people are dying, and this is kind of a common thread 
as we go through these final few episodes. Again, it's an illustration of, I mean, because there's no other way to say it. It's human stupidity, that is. Like you say, just you, you're mucking about with something, you're looking at it, bang, oh, fuck. You know, you have no intention of shooting himself in the leg. Of course not. But that's just human nature. We mess with things sometimes, and sometimes they blow up in our face, and we pay the price. Yeah, so... Because uh, this whole episode, yeah. if I'm remembering rightly, is, is voiceovered from uh, Donnie Wahlberg's point of view. Yes. If I'm Sergeant right, Lipton. Sarge, thank you. Oh, Sergeant I've just written Lipton. him down as yeah. Sarge, but yeah, Lipton, that's right. Um, so yeah, it's all sort of narrated from his point of view, isn't it? Because again, this is another episode where they sort of change... Not necessarily the gimmick, but they they changed the way they're telling the story in this particular episode because the other one was not voiced over by Eugene, but we were following his story very directly through what was going on. And now we're not necessarily following Donnie Wahlberg's character. We're following all the men, but he is the one commenting, you know, leading us through what's happened in this particular part. Um, so we've got... Uh, Winters and, and Nixon um, are kind of discussing about the fact that Dyke is an absentee commander and they have no idea what the fuck to do because they don't really want him in charge. They don't have a choice, but they're kind of talking about the only people that could possibly replace him. And the only person at this point that they can think is Buck. Mm. We learn soon enough that that's not going to be an option. Um, so... Um, there's a, a lovely little conversation between uh, Dyke and, and Lipton as well. Um, he's just because he's just like he just doesn't seem to have any. He's just like, oh, where are you from? And then just cuts him off like mid sentence and just walks away. And you're like, is this guy just a lunatic or what? Mm. And he's just like, oh, I've, I've got a, a call with headquarters or something like that. Yeah, I've got to go back um, to the regiment. Yeah, and we also see Spears uh, again. So he's again throwback. So they're all talking about Spears. So this is the guy from like episode one or two where he'd gunned down a bunch of Germans. He'd like yeah, offered right. smoke they're, they're... and gunned them down. So they're all talking about the it. And he walks up tales, and, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. So he walks up to the to the guys as they're talking and he just goes, oh, do you guys want a cigarette? And their, their faces are just a picture of horror, uh, which is just brilliant because he clearly has heard it and he knows the story. But what's the best way of making people in your regiment, in your company, afraid and... and, and let these stories live out. Let them yeah, actually yeah. be Let real. Think what they want. Exactly, and that's it. The the, the myth and the legend of uh, of him is is yeah, very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, they're digging a bunch of foxholes and stuff like that. So they've kind of moved outside of a foy. They're they're digging the the foxholes, and then suddenly there's like bombardment begins, and so this is where we uh, get some serious injury. So Joe Toya loses his leg. Uh, Bill Garano or uh, Gonorrhea, uh, as he is uh, nicknamed in it, mm. goes off because he can hear his friend. He's like, "No, stay in your foot." Is that is that Joe? Yeah, that's Joe. I'm going, and he just gets up out of his foxhole and he goes and he rushes him and he sees him. He's like, "Ah, oh, come on, Joe, I've got you, I've got you." And he's dragging him and he's dragging him and he's dragging him. And then, boom, another shell comes down right next to the both of them. And so Buck Compton walks up and suddenly sees two of his best friends in the company are completely sparko on the on the ground. One's lost a leg, one's completely out, and for all he knows, they're just dead and it's just him medic and he just he's that's it. That's his snapping point. Um and that's it. You can see it like the next thing is like Lipton's talking about that's it, Buck's, you know, Buck was shell shocked. He was that was that was it. He was taken off the front line at that point. Um, 
and it's yeah, it's it's just harrowing. More uh, more bloody shells go off. A couple more people die. One lands in a foxhole right next to the guys, and they're just sat there. And he's just like grabs a cigarette. The guy who doesn't smoke grabs a cigarette and puts it in his mouth and lights it up because he's just survived a bomb basically landing right next to them yeah. it's just like my god it's just yeah pretty, pretty fucking harsh um yeah malarkey is obviously upset uh you know which is uh scott grimes's character because yeah. two of his best friends have now been injured his his third best friend compton is completely out of it and is is being shipped home which is is the right thing to do um yeah, and he sort of being, loses all of his best mates, yeah, doesn't he? Literally, like, point. loses his, two of his best friends to injury, one of his best friends to PTSD at this point. Uh, and so Lipton goes up to him, who he's still got the Luger from way back at the beginning of the episode. And to try and raise Malaki's spirits, he gives him the gun. He's like, didn't your brother, didn't your kid brother want a Luger? There you go. You give it to him. So I, oh, thanks. And it kind of puts a smile on his face, even with all this fucking horrible shit. And he's like, look, do me a favor, um, you know, before Buck goes, go and go and say goodbye to him. And he lets him go off and, and do that kind of thing. So he gets to say goodbye to his friend and he's trying to read out a letter and Buck's getting very emotional and stuff like that. And this is one of them, again, this is like emotional episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so while all this is going on, uh, you know, we're, we're like halfway through the episode at this point. The main crux of the episode is that they need to go into Foy and push forward. Uh, and they need to essentially take the town. So the next day, you know, they, they prepare to attack and they've run through the plan with Dyke, the complete moron, who is just like, yep, yeah, cool. Yep, yeah, I understand. No problem. He doesn't understand a goddamn what, yep. thing that's going on. They get to the battle and he's like, you need to keep moving forward. You need to keep moving forward. Whatever happens, don't stop. Keep moving forward. Keep advancing. As soon as they get to one point, he stops. And they're like, keep moving! And Winters is so angry, so upset, the fact that he's not doing what he's been told, that he's about to run out there. And then the general's like, Winters, don't you dare go out there! So this is where uh, Winters turns around to Spears. He's like, Lieutenant Spears, get up there and take control of that company. Mm. And that's it. This is Again, the myth of Lieutenant Spears only gets bigger because... Lipton, again, this is from Lipton's perspective. He's at the front. He's with Dyke, and he's like, Sir, we need to move. We need to move. And nothing's happening. And then Spears comes running up, and he goes, Right, this is where you go. This is where you go. We need to meet up with them. Okay, leave that to me. So he gets up, runs across the middle of the battlefield, meets up with the guys on the other side of the town, jumps back over the wall, and runs back to his original position. And Lipton's like, I don't know what the fuck I just saw, but we've just found our new commander. And that's it. It's just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just so fucking funny. Um, He just runs there, runs back. They cave in a roof. And that's it. They're just like, okay, I need that, you know, I need that building being destroyed. I need that roof done. Done. Spears is, yeah, he knows exactly what needs to be done. Um, You know, it, it just, it just, cracks me up because he just like uh lipton at this point just looks at him he's like he's telling him all he's like do this do this and he just looks at him smiles he's like yes sir now we've got a guy who can actually tell us what to do mm. so yeah they managed to you know take foy thankfully uh shifty being the awesome sniper that he is uh again lipton and shifty they seem to have this little 
camaraderie. Like they, they, they help each other. Like Lipton's like, I'm going to run over here. Shifty, you keep an eye out for him. So he runs. The sniper takes a shot at him, but Shifty kills him. And he's just like, he just looks over. He's like, fucking love Shifty. Mm. Um, and it was just, yeah. So it was, it was an episode of two halves, really. Because you had the really harrowing stuff. We had the injury and removal of a number of core characters that have kind of been there. But then we kind of get the guy who's going to be in charge of this unit from now on. A guy you've actually confident in. Uh, whose legend is only going to get bigger from here. Yeah, and like you say, it's been built for us all the way along as a little side project coming in and out of episodes. Yeah, uh, and then it ends with uh, you know Spears. Yeah, he's now officially in charge of the company, and he and and Lipton are obviously talking. But he's you know Lipton's not been f- forgotten about. Everything that he's been doing, essentially being the guy that you know w- was leading the troops until Spears got there, and so yeah, he's like there you go, there's your lieutenant stripes, and Lipton's completely you know befuddled at this point because he doesn't realize he didn't think he'd get promoted. He has, uh, and. Yeah, it's just, you know, one of those episodes where it brings the camaraderie of the unit together after all of the destruction that just happened. Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts on this one? Uh, So, yeah, I I believe we got our Michael Fassbender cameo in this one. We did. Very, very short. <laughs> as as a lot of these are, it's hilarious. They're just in it for nothing. He, I think he does appear who one were or they two more times. Years ago, probably he no, does appear. One, I'm sure he appears one or two more times. Maybe, I'm sure. Maybe. Obviously, yeah. I haven't read ahead in my notes, so I don't know. Um, there's uh, that artillery sequence that you mentioned uh, in the woods. That is absolutely incredible. The shot choices there, I thought, were brilliant. Because um, there's one where they sort of pan out of the woods and look at the woods from a distance. Yeah. And you can just see all the fire, you know, all the explosions and stuff lighting up the wood from a distance. And again, when you see it on that large scale, you're like, fuck, actually, this, you know, it just puts a different perspective on it. Uh, I can't believe I lost Bill and Joe. I was so, I don't know, Bill and Joe, gutted. And then I, I hope they survive. Yeah. Um, obviously, yes. Again, then the next note is, Buck was going crazy. Gutted. He was so good. <laughs> so he goes. Um, so, yeah, it's like you say, it's a very, very powerful episode, that one, because it is about, I, th- I feel it sort of focuses on the human cost on one element, because like you say, these people, they didn't all survive. They didn't all make it to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't all make it to the end uninjured. They didn't sit mm-hmm. next to each other in the foxholes throughout the entire thing because they came in and out of things as they were injured, potentially. Um, and leadership and what a difference that makes, you know, I, I feel it was sort of playing at that point again of, mm. which is a point that we'd covered sort of episode one ish when they all, all the NCOs said, we don't want to go into battle with Sobel in command. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of that again, only they don't go, quite go the same way and it gets sorted out a bit. It's, yeah. They're in the middle but, of war at this point. What choice do they have? Exactly. You know? But again, it's that thing that we touched on at the beginning and it's still relevant. Now the leadership is key. If you don't have the right leadership in place, you're not going to get through this. So yes, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. I'd like say it doesn't top episode six for me, but it doesn't mean it wasn't, it wasn't good. 
So we go from that one and into the next, which is again another one. So this is the the, the great thing I love about it uh, is that you go from character to character who's not necessarily been around, so you get that different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we now get Webster, who again had been uh, kind of a back character you'd, you'd seen and, and interacted with. He'd got injured a little while ago back in I think it was Holland. Uh, so this is kind of his reintroduction to the company now he's not gone through the harrowing shit that they've gone through in bastone mm. so he's not he's coming in a little bit fresh faced uh he's coming in well rested recuperated he's psychologically he's all good yeah. but he as soon as he arrives the the, the unit is not good that they, they are not in a good position they also kind of look at him um as somebody who didn't necessarily rush to get back onto the fighting lines like other people you know took the injury checked themselves out of hospital and then just came back in hindsight yeah, like you know, said, they wanted to be their brothers in the arse, didn't he and yeah other ones had other injuries as well. yeah like uh got had a sling and stuff like that yeah. so you know um so um he also comes along uh with another character who is um colin hanks yes so he's basically been shipped over from America, from the military academy or whatever. He's clearly on the fast track to officer, isn't he? Officer and all that kind of stuff. So they kind of arrive at the town, which you know they're, they're you know looking after a town, and basically they're told, okay, yeah, go to this company. Now go to this company, and um, you know, it, it, so they're sent left, right, and center, and they're told, okay, go go to go to Malaki. So they go off and, and go to find Malaki and they're running through the streets and the streets are being bombed and they're cowering and hiding and stuff like that. There's still shit going off all over the place. And it's like, okay, we're perfectly content that this is all fine. Um, so they go to they go to Malaki, who is looking a bit of a fucking wreck at this point. Yeah, he is. Um, we obviously know he's lost his good friends from the previous episode. He hasn't shaved in a very long time. He is not looking that good. He, he, he is really not looking good. This whole episode kind of um, centers around the patrol, um, which is, is is the title of it. The Last Patrol. The Last is Patrol. The um, and so this is all to do basically with the commanders want them to go and patrol the opposite side of the river. So they're on a river and they're on one side of the Germans on another. They have how you know they're each occupying a, a certain house or a certain area uh, on each side of it. So the whole point of the patrol is that they want to go out there. They they don't know what's going on with Germany at the moment. They're like, okay, we've got suspicions. We need to go and capture some guys, uh, and we need to get that information. So this whole point is basically about sending them out on a patrol. Um, now, th this was where some of it comes in because uh, you know. The guy, Colin Hanks' character, kind of wants to lead it. He, he kind of wants to be in charge. And people looking at him like, you've got no battle experience. You've got no combat experience. Never in a million fucking years. Um, so um, now Webster is kind of hoping to try and get, you know, this guy to like him and, and to also give Malaki a bit of a break. He's, he's seen Malaki and he can tell Malaki is not in a good fucking place. So he kind of takes it upon himself to try and get this guy to, to take over the patrol. He doesn't. Um, in the end, it's Dexter Fletcher's character who gets assigned the patrol and stares daggers at Webster, pretty much hating him for putting him in this position. 
Um, so he, he, you know, he gets his team together and they go across the river and they do the necessaries. You know, they, they get into the building. They take a couple of prisoners. Unfortunately, somebody stupid enough who clearly hasn't gone on many raids throws a grenade through the fucking window and then runs in through the door, not giving the grenade time to actually explode. And it yeah. basically blows up in his face. So they lose a guy as a result of the patrol. But they also, you know, get some good information. They get some good intel from the guys. So guess what? The higher ups want them to go and do another patrol. Mm, um, it was so successful. Because it was so successful and gave them the right information. And this is one of the the good things about it. So again, you've you've got Colin Hanks's character here, who's new to the guys. You've seen, um, uh, you know, other other members of the, the the kind of team, Webster included, just seeing the harrowing shit that went down the night before, and they can't believe that this guy's died as a result of just going out there to, to do this. Um, so this is where Winters just kind of comes into the room. It's like, yep, you've, you've all done a bang-up job. The higher-ups want you to do it again. So at this time is, uh, is when you should be going. But I want you to all get a good night's rest, and I want you to come to me in the morning, tell me that you went across, and you could find fuck all, and we'll leave it be. And basically gives them the out. He's like, I don't want you guys to run, risk your lives running a stupid, stupid, stupid plan of trying to get a couple of captives all for the sake of losing a guy. It's not worth it. Don't do it. And this is where Colin Hans kind of looks at him and he's like, is this the right, should this be the right thing to do? But this little bit of battle experience and being around the brotherhood of these band of brothers gives him more insight than he'd ever probably learned at the academy in these few small days that he's been there has given him an insight more than anything mm-hmm. um and so because of webster being there and because he'd calmed everybody down as well so when they taken the germans prisoner everybody wanted to kill the germans because one of their guys had died even though it was by his own hand Webster's the one that's kind of keeping them all calm and talking German because he's a German. He, he can speak German. And he's keeping yeah. everybody calm. He's being the diplomatic one here. And everybody kind of acknowledges that a little bit more. And then as they're going away, where previously they wouldn't let him into the back of the truck, this time they offer an arm down and they pull him in and he's kind of embraced back into into the unit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's an interesting one because it is that. I, I never again it's another part you don't think of unless you've actually been in war i guess but that that thing of people who have been away from the front lines and then return and i never thought about the you know the experience that the team goes through during those periods and obviously as we know from this the the, the period in bastone and the battle of the bulge or whatever that was a key key point in particularly the the journey of easy company if not the us advance as a whole um so yes, of course they band together over that, and then someone comes in and they're like, "Oh no, you're not us anymore," because you weren't out there in the middle of the freezing wastes with no food, no fucking bullets, no coats, whatever. You were tucked up, nice and warm in a hospital, and now you come back that we're finished. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got to be honest. When he, when Webster turned back up again, I spent about half the episode going, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And I, for the life of me, couldn't remember who he was. 
One um, thing I'll say, having I, I can't remember watched... seeing him in previous episodes, but you know, I've only watched it once, so of course. Yeah, this is this is the one remember. thing. Having watched it multiple times over the years, the one great thing is give it give it a year. I wouldn't encourage you to to watch it again so soon. Mm-hmm. Give it a year or so. Go back and watch it, and you'll go, holy shit, there they are, there they are, there they are, there they are, and you'll see all of them, and you'll get that understanding of the relationships that they build a little bit easier as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I haven't got too many notes on this one that you haven't covered anyway. Um, mm. Obviously, there's the bit towards the end where they're pulling out of uh, Hagenau and they're sort of the voiceover is very much like, ah, oh, we're done. That was the end of our war. <laughs> we're, we're backing off now. And they thought they were done at that stage, didn't they? Because mm. everything was going quite well towards Berlin. Um, but yeah, I did, that, great episodes bit more of a i felt it was a little bit quieter a little bit more contemplative as an episode not that the other ones haven't had that but i just that was ramped up a little bit in this one it was more about story and character and contemplating the surroundings than it was you know actions and battles that some of the others have been so we move on to the next one uh now episode nine why we fight Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so foreshadowing this one, this is one of the hardest things to ever watch um, when it comes to the Second World World. Now, we, we've we gone through the war at this point, and we know what has kind of been going on. You know, there's a lot of battles all over the place, but we haven't seen the full extent of the atrocities that the Nazis have, have committed at this point. Now we we you know th- there's war etc. But these are the atrocities, and we're talking the persecution and destruction uh, of uh, the Jewish people. And this is the one that really comes home. Um, so it starts off with um, Easy Company is clearing up a, a German village. So they're at the top of a, a building, and they're listening to I think it's uh, Beethoven, or somebody says it's something else, and uh, um, Someone corrects them, don't they? And then, um, and then Nixon comes out and corrects them because he's a bit more of an educated guy. The rest, he's like, "No, no, it's Beethoven. Adolf Hitler's dead. What? Yeah, he killed himself. Is does this mean the war's over? No, is basically the answer. But you're like, okay, so we found out that Hitler's dead. What? What happens at this point? And so it now kind of cuts back to Nixon, um, who has done a. <laughs> He's done a he's done a drop. Uh, for some reason, he went out and did did a, a jump with the the airborne. Um, but it turns out after he jumped, the plane was shot down and everybody else on board was killed except for him. And he really does not take that well. He's looking for a drink. Uh, so this is again where he and Winters discuss his kind of his excessive drinking. Uh, he's also told that he's been demoted uh, because he's getting to that well, point now. I I put. Because of the drinking, I think. It kind That's of drinking, kind I of a lot of things. Why they kind of get, did that. Yeah, I think he's also disagreed with the higher-ups and kind of told them to go fuck themselves because of what's been happening. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not going well. Uh, they also learned that uh, Roosevelt has died. At the same time, he gets a letter from his wife uh, asking for a divorce. So Nixon's not having the best of days. Yeah. Um. So the company is sent into to Germany, basically, and um, at this point, things have calmed down enough that they they're kind of walking through the woods, and um, yeah, we're sort of towards the tail end of the war, really, aren't we? Heading towards Berlin and 
yeah so we've got like the new guy and we've got a few other guys um and they're walking through the woods and they they're getting closer to the edge of these woods and they kind of kind of kind of come across something and on the edge of the woods they suddenly see this concentration camp or what we would learn to be as a concentration camp uh so uh, uh pensacota goes running back to uh to go and tell the higher ups but he doesn't it's it's when he gets there they're like what is it and he's like i don't know um and it's just he's like i do, how do i explain what i've just seen so you know the company goes and uh they, they drive out there he points them in the direction and they go out there and Lipgott and I think uh, is is one of the other guys uh, who's a translator. It's that they start talking to the the prisoners and they learn that they're Jewish, uh, that they're just musicians and artists uh, and teachers, and they're basically the the undesirables that the Germans didn't want. So they, you know, put them all together, stuck them in this area, and they're all they're, it's the emaciation. They're like. Half of them are, uh, are walking dead. Basically, they look like fucking zombies. Yeah. They are so emaciated; their bones are showing. It's it's one of the most harrowing fucking things that you see. So they suddenly like okay, they they rush into action, and uh, they like okay, we need food, we need clothing, we need this, that, and the other. So they raid the town nearby, and the townspeople start having a go at them. And it's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Do you, don't tell me you don't know what the fuck is going on down the road. Don't tell me you don't know this. Yeah, they're furious, and this is Nixon who is absolutely furious about this whole situation because he's he's just riled up about everything. So they go there and they go back with the food and stuff like that, and they're trying to hand it out. And then the medics come up and go, "We need to stop feeding them. Yeah, we need we can't to keep feed them. them. We need to keep them in this place. We need to keep them confined." They've been trapped here for ages, and yeah. no, like you say, when they find the concentration you know, camp, the German officers have gone. Yeah, they've, they've, left, abandoned, they've it. abandoned it and they've just locked the gates it. and left them locked in there. The, no, the worst thing is, is that they lined as many people up as they could, shot as many as they could. When they ran out of ammo, then they left it. Yeah, true, true, absolutely fucking. True, it was yeah. that. That was oh, Jesus. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty hard and. Um, so they kind of go back and Winters and Nixon are talking and the fact that turns out this isn't the only camp that's been found, like rumours have been circulating. Apparently the Russians have found a camp five times the size or ten times the size on yeah. their side. And you just go, Jesus Christ, the scope. I mean, we'd learned from one of the prisoners that this was one camp of two, that the men were there and that the women were in another camp further down the road because his wife was there and he'd not seen her in so long. Um so um basically they're going to get the local germans to basically help um with the cleanup and uh nixon is is you know furious at this point still but he bumps into a woman whose house he kind of ransacked previously trying to look for a good bottle of whiskey to drown his sorrows and he sees her and they just kind of have this look and it's just like she was clearly the wife of a german officer from when he went into her house and now she's having to bury uh pits for all of these dead uh you know unfortunate souls and it is just fucking harrowing at this point yeah um and they're they're just furious because it then cuts back to the first scene of where uh you know the nixon comes out and tells them that uh that hitler's died yeah and they're just like 
Fucking hell. They, they just they can't believe it at this point. They've been told, okay, we're moving on. They, okay, yeah, get ready. We're, we're moving on to the Eagle's Nest, yeah. which is uh, the next one. And then they just say, why didn't Hitler just kill himself years ago and spared us all the trouble? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, he didn't, so we've we got to carry on. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I mean, there have been other episodes. The, the episode of Bastogne, again, we took on touched on so much in that one this is the one that really brings things crashing down to reality mm-hmm. uh and uh again we don't get big battle scenes in this one that's not what this episode is about and neither should it be either no no absolutely um no i totally agree i obviously like you say yes it's it's it changes the gimmick for the episode again because we go to a sort of one month earlier type beginning we only start with the sequence then we go one month earlier and we find the lead up to that sequence and as you say the sequence is nick's discovering that or announcing that hitler's dead um tom hardy this was the first episode i noticed tom hardy in was it actually his first episode do you know because if it's the first episode he appears in then he gets the award for best intro because he's just yeah he's, he's just some chick hanging away yeah 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 and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The um, intro you want son Especially when you're like a twelve-year-old, fresh-faced Tom Hardy, you that <laughs> intro, that's what you want. Uh, um, yeah, it's um, it's where he walks in and uh, he's just like, "Oh, where, where's my stuff?" And uh, the guy who's been collecting silver uh, and various other things uh, throughout the entire campaign is just like, "Yeah, I'm sending that back home." And he's like, "You've you built up quite a collection there, sir." And you just think he's just been ransacking everything he comes across and he's been sending it home he's one rich motherfucker yeah. we'll get to a little bit on that in the last episode as well um and like but yeah, you said, before they actually find the concentration camp there is uh, an interesting bit uh, in the because like you said I, I feel this whole episode is is very dark it's very bleak there isn't a huge amount of positivity and hope coming out of this one i wouldn't say because there's even bits before they find the concentration camp where even the allies kill rather than capture. Mm. And that's something we'd not really looked at. You know, it was always they were the bad guys and we were the good guys. And actually, we broke the rules too. We we just fucking murdered them sometimes because yeah. human nature means that people are going to get angry and emotional and blah, 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 and react yeah. in such situations. So you understand it. Is it right? No. But you know, I like that at least they touched on the fact that we weren't perfect either. I say the royal we, I mean, you know, the allied forces were not always as perfect and clean cut as, as we are portrayed. Um, that concentration camp broke me for pretty much the rest of the episode. I, I was not expecting that. I I couldn't fucking handle it. I, I, the one thing I struggle with the most and will break me apart is stuff to do with how a appallingly humanity can behave towards other and particularly over fucking religion (laughs) it's not i mean anyone who is religious who listens to this fair play to you i understand that faith um can be an important part of uh, life for people personally that i you know i'm not that 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 isn't the way i work but i i totally respect people that like faith in their life and it helps them to to can carry on and go forth that's fine more power to you if you then use the teachings or or you you bastardize the teachings of your religion in order to justify doing damage to another human, then you're wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong in that scenario because that's nothing ever I have ever picked up from fucking religion. And and 
I hate the fact that humanity can do this. You know, we are capable of doing this to each other over something as simple as who do we believe a deity potentially might be in the sky or a difference of belief. The, the that's it. Exactly. It's not Jesus. worth it. You don't kill people over that shit, man. You agree to disagree and you stop talking to them. If you can't reconcile, fair enough, but don't fucking hurt people. Don't resort to violence because you can't talk your way through your problems. Fucking hate it. Um, as you mentioned that the, again we i feel like a fucking stock record on all this shit but the production value the effects as you say when they walked into that concentration camp if if you'd have freeze framed a moment from that and posted it on a movie website people probably would have picked something like iron sky which is a, a nazi zombie film and would have said that the clip was from that because they looked so as you say emaciated and pale and just withered away and i don't understand how you do that without starving about 100 actors for about 3 weeks before you put them in there they, they some kind so of prosthetics well. they've got to I, it's it's one of the things that you look at it and it's the it's the realism of it and that's yeah. the one thing we we've said categorically throughout this entire yeah. series the realism and this is it's scary because I, you do, you look at it and you're actually i'm afraid that these people are going to you know yeah. fall over and, and it, break you know, one guy that they're sort of talking to how emaciated that gentleman's body was uh, again I, I, all right so you you know there are people who are you know very gaunt anyway because of their metabolisms and things so i, I was for they... a good portion of my life no, exactly you have a very very fast metabolism so you can you are yeah you you retain your thinness you twat um but uh i you know I, one day i'm gonna nick your metabolism or i'm gonna wait <laughs> for the day when down it a little finally bit. fucking yeah. runs out i'm almost 40 it's, it's slowing <laughs> down a little bit i did put on a little bit of weight over the years so yeah one day you're just gonna wake up and you're gonna be a fat whatever guy. whatever you've been saying this for decades I know. Well, I woke up about a decade ago and was a fat bastard, so I'm used to it. Um, the last thing, I feel bad now making a joke before I want to end on this one point. I the, think we the, need to try it. This is the thing. When you've, you've watched this and you start talking about it, you need to bring a little bit of levity. Uh, I'm not, not dismissing everything that we've talked about, but it's so fucking, it is so harsh. It's, it, when you watch this, Find something cheerful afterwards yeah, uh, is, is one thing I'd yeah. say. Don't necessarily go straight into the next episode because you need to find something to cheer you up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's... In this, it, it's the statistics right at the end of the episode. In this time, particularly at the time now where numbers and death figures and things are a big thing at the minute, put put this into comparison for what we're going through at the minute, guys. Five million ethnic minorities and six million jews are the approximate figures that came out of that war that hitler killed through his concentration camps five million ethnic minorities and six million jews that's 11 million people in total mm. and that that's just the approximate numbers that we know that died in concentration camps they were that executed doesn't, exactly that doesn't include anyone else any other civilians they yeah. may have killed out in the streets doesn't yep. include any of the army losses it, it, none of that this is just what shit that went through the competition camps 11 million people that is fucking sickening absolutely sickening to think that that many millions of people died and again we're in this situation at the minute with a threat around we're talking in terms of tens of thousands in in the uk in this particular country i know uh our friends across the pond in the states your numbers are are, are up around the hundred thousand now i believe 
you know, it's not competition, but the whole world seems to be fucking competing for something. Um, we're into millions, millions. Mm -hmm. And this was over a period of what, five? Five years. Five years, yes. Five, six years, I suppose. It was 39 to 45, wasn't it? But they don't think the concentration camps were there. No, I would have, the yeah, start. it was so like it'd be four to or five years, wouldn't yeah. it? But yeah, I just, yeah, I can't believe it. And again, um, to anyone who is interested to tag back to the World War II in Colour series, uh, towards the end, when they, as, as you said, it is the Russians who discovered the first one in Poland. Uh, I don't believe it was Auschwitz, but it was a very, very big one. And that was the first time when anyone at all in 1945, yeah, we were in early 45 at this stage. That's the first time that anyone from the Allied forces knew what the fuck was going on and, and actually started to uncover these concentration camps. And again, I didn't realize that. I thought this was a known thing from the beginning. I thought we knew this shit was going on. I didn't realize that we only discovered it in the dying six months of the war as we actually started, as, as the Allied forces started pushing in from all sides. I mean, there's so much information now. I mean, you know, it's it's whether a case of, okay, uh, you know, the, some of the higher-ups knew some of the, the things that were going on, because at the end of the day, they would have had spies everywhere. There were still, you know, in, information gathering from all parts. And as harrowing and horrible as it is, that didn't seem perhaps important to the war effort. Yes, this is a bunch of people who were going through some horrible stuff. But until that became commonplace, mm. but that was it. If anything, in the final days of the war, that just ramped up the hatred of the Nazis was was high at that point. You're you're trying to take over, you know, the, the Europe, the world. That just ramped it up to to eleven. Mm. As soon as that stuff kind of came out, that ramped up everybody's emotions to eleven. But this point, they wanted to annihilate the Nazis. It wasn't a case of we want to defeat them. We literally want to wipe wipe them from the face of the fucking earth because of what they're doing. Yeah, um, you know. So we move into uh, the last episode, um, which Points. was titled "Points." Uh, now, points uh, for this one is was all about the point system, which was needed by certain soldiers for them to be able to go home, essentially, until the end of the war. So if you uh, achieved a certain number of points, that would give you an entitlement to be able to, to go home. Like, we're in the latter stages of the war now. We don't need as many soldiers here. Um, so we start off this with... Uh, and and the, the focus of this one is, is uh, Winters. So uh, Damien Lewis's character, which is very befitting, uh, yeah. I think it really needed to to end on on him. Yeah. I think it sort of character. brings it full circle, doesn't it? It does it very much. Full yeah. So you see him, and again, this is the polar opposite of what we've we've seen a lot of the war. He's swimming in uh, a lovely little river, lake, in Austria, um, and he's just like the most beautiful scenery. And you look at it, and you go. My God, like, this is yeah. paradise. Like, you've gone yeah. from the harrowing, harrowing display that we've seen the, the episode before to one of the most beautiful images. So we now start the episode here with Winters, um, which is completely bef completely fitting, um, you know, that, that he is the, the person who completes the last episode in terms of the narration. Uh, as you'd said before, you know, this book ends it perfectly. Yeah, um, so it shows him... Uh, in a having a little swim in a lake in Austria in one of the most beautiful surroundings 
I've ever seen on screen. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I actually, um, my note for that one is uh, the backdrop to where Winters is staying is almost too pretty to be real. Yeah, uh, and you just kind of go, fucking hell. Uh, and even he's like, it's not a bad place to kind of be, be putting our head down at the moment. Uh, again, this is, you know, completely different to the harrowing, harrowing scenes of the concentration camp that we'd seen an episode before. So it's a very much a, a change of pace there. Um, so at the moment, the you know, the, the troops are just kind of hunkering down in Austria. They're, they're waiting for their next orders, which come through, and it's basically to take the eagle's nest uh, because apparently there's a bit of a race between, I think it's them and the Russians. Uh, so mm-hmm. the eagle's nest is a very important place. Uh, it was kind <laughs> of... The fucking eagle's nest is a cross between like a supervillain lair and King's Landing. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. I've never yeah. seen the eagle's nest before, but obviously heard of it. But yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, if that was actually what it looked like, what a fucking arrogant fuck. <laughs> um, no wonder Hitler was what he was. Yeah, so they just keep pushing on, and there's rubble in the way and stuff like that. So they fi- eventually they find their way up there, and they go in. And there's just, there's still, it's, it's hilarious. There's, like, there's still butlers and maids there, like putting down cutlery, expecting people. And they suddenly see these Americans and shit their pants and then run off. Mm. Um, and then this is where somebody like Spears comes in. And he grabs his helmet and just starts shoveling in loads of cutlery. And everybody starts taking stuff. Yeah, there's the big <laughs> thing where they're sort of splitting a, a set of silver cutlery. Because they're like, no, well, I, I don't take it all. I want some. All right, well, I'll take yeah. these bits. And you take yeah, those bits. And... at this point is getting in on yeah, the act. You're like, fucking hell, brilliant. Uh, but Spears is like the go-to guy for uh, for getting all this stuff. So they carry on and they go up to the eagle's nest. And then they get into the main hub. And then one of the guys finds a photo album, like Adolf Hitler's personal photo album, um, who uh, he obviously clearly keeps and steals, and then lies to Spears about it. Spears is like, I know there was a photo album there. Where is it? I know you had it. And he's like, don't know what you're talking about. Okay, this isn't the end of that. And he walks away with a smile like, fuck you, Spears. You ain't having it. It's mine. And that was, br- it's just brilliant. It's just a funny little moment. Um, so uh, Winters is also um, kind of telling Nixon, that's it. You know, there's nobody here. So do you want to, do you want to follow me? And he's like, what? He's like, come on. So he drives him up in a Jeep and uh, to, to Her- Herman Goering's uh, private wine cellar. No, and like Nixon walks in and he's just like his jaw just hits the floor. This is like the world's biggest, baddest, bastard ass wine cellar of every known bottle and vintage you could ever possibly think of. Nixon walks in there, just picks up a bottle, and he's just like, Fucking hell. And Winters is like, right, um, we're gonna distribute this out to the soldiers, but you get first pick. Nah. The guy, the, the the alcoholic, the one yeah. guy who's been a, a drunk throughout the entire fucking ordeal, you get to go nuts to the wall against uh, all of this, all of this wine, uh, which is just a brilliant thing. Because again, it just shows the absolute ridiculousness that they were storing like bottles of wine and stuff like this. There's a war going on, and they were more concerned about the luxuries. Uh, in life so yeah that's um... i do think there's there's a feeling in this one that that sort of winters has tried to sort of shuffle everyone off to one side with easy they've sort of tried to he's tried to put them on a side path where they're not going to meet any resistance and have to fight anymore yeah sort of yeah we're gonna go and do this mission but yeah don't worry we shouldn't run into anyone it's fine because again when they're at the eagle's nest they hear that the general surrender's gone out 
yeah the germans are surrendering so they're they're all like oh okay well that's it then we are now properly done aren't we yeah yeah Um, they're expecting a fight back and it never comes they're mm -hmm. expecting somebody to come out of the woodwork and it never comes so yeah it's um but this is where things begin as um as damian lewis begins to to say things aren't you know things aren't going great still for the company you know they're still suffering uh from fatigue and nerves and boredom and this then gets to to some pretty horrible shit we've got one of the t- uh, one of the guys who was lipgott who uh, was the german speaker uh, from the previous uh, episode. Again, it, when you go back, you'll see him in the background for, for not a number of episodes. He finds a guy who he believes ran one of the camps and he drives up to there and he goes to kill him. Um, and he goes with Webster as well. And Webster kind of has an argument with him, like, I don't think this is right. And then one of the other guys ends up shooting him instead. And mm. he's uh, just like, oh, fucking hell. Um, we've got guys... Um, wondering about going over to the pacific because everything has kind of happened in in europe now um yeah uh, and the the last part of their campaign now is japan isn't it yeah that's it yeah so while they're stuck and uh this is where winters and nixon kind of have that talk and Winters is like well if i've got to go i'd rather go now and kind of get it over with so they're having that discussion about what well you know their their plans for after the war so to speak Mm. um a pretty shitty, horrible bastard. Uh, so there's a, one of the replacement gets a bit drunk. Uh, he kills a British officer. He kills a German officer. And then one of the staff sergeants who, again, we've seen kind of in the background a lot throughout most of the episodes, hasn't necessarily taken a, uh, a huge front role. Uh, I think it's Grant gets shot in the head by this guy. Um, so they then run around town trying to find a brain surgeon to kind of come and fix him. Um, they find the guy who shot him. They beat the ever-living shit out of the guy um, until Spears arrives. And you're thinking, this is Spears, the guy who yeah, gave Germans a and gunned them down. But he doesn't. He doesn't kill him. Uh, he, 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 you know, he holds the gun to the guy's head, and he's very, very tempted. But he doesn't. He goes, give this piece of shit to the MPs. Don't worry, Grant's, Grant, Grant survived. He's, he's going to live. And you're kind of like, fucking hell. But even this, it's like, okay, th- this is still not the best part of it. Um, we get a German uh, soldier who who's going to give his formal surrender, but he doesn't want to give it to a low-ranking officer. So he kind of wants Winters to kind of take it, but Winters kind of points at the man he's supposed to be doing it to. So he does. He's like, no, we, you know... It's, Fine, you know, just just hand your gun over to him. Uh, no, sorry, uh, you know, surrender to him. You can keep your gun uh, and all this kind of stuff. So there's a level of respect. It's like, yeah. yeah, you've lost the war. You're in charge and your your men are still here. But just as I take my orders from above and do what they do, you did the same. Mm. I have no grievance against you as an individual. And that's kind of the thing. Uh, he's like, yeah, it's funny. Um, and we also get um, Sobel. We get to see Sobel yep. back from the first yep. episode. So I've got a note there that says Schwimmer's still a dick. Yeah, Schwimmer is still a dick. And he walks past Winters and doesn't <laughs> salute him, doesn't acknowledge him. And he's like, uh, excuse me, Captain. Um, we uh, we salute the rank, not the man. So Sobel turns around, salutes him. And it's just brilliant because it's like, <laughs> like we've and, and also the rest of the, the company are seeing Spears and they're like, that's Spears? 
and they're like, and he looks around and sees the rest of these guys that he helped train. And you can't help but feel on their side, they look at him and think, fucking hell, like this is a guy who never went through it. And he's looking at them thinking, fuck, I'm glad I didn't go through what they've gone through. Yeah, you don't, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't know. So we also get a lovely moment as well. I mean, this, this is the thing. It's um, even though we've got the American side and the German side, they're still, they're each, each of them still has their brotherhood. And this is where um, the uh, general or whoever uh, is in charge of the German soldiers asks if he can speak to his troops. Mm. And they say, yeah, that's, you know, of course you can, you, you can speak to your troops. So he goes and uh, Lipgott is stood next to Winters and translates for him. And this guy gives this wonderful speech. And it's, it's, that's the, the hilarious thing, that this is the German general, uh, admiral, whatever the hell he is, who's giving this speech and basically saying, you've all had my back. You've, we've gone through horrible, horrible shit together. But we are one unity. We are brothers. And it's this wonderful speech. And that, that is the camaraderie of these brotherhood in, in the arm in the armed forces. And you understand that. It's like they may have been on the losing side and you know, they may be prisoners and, and whatnot now, but he does it doesn't disrupt the respect that he has for his troops. Hmm. Um so as the episode kind of closes out at this point, we get Winters who basically kind of goes, you know, they, they do this wonderful little reunion spit uh where they're all kind of around a baseball field um and uh, they're all playing uh we get buck compton coming back to say hello uh you know just to make sure everybody's okay yep. and then we get the tales of uh, of everybody that that lived and what they did and where they went on to uh winter's trying to get various people to go home he sends um he sends malarkey yeah they send malarkey to, yeah they, they they send malarkey to paris um, so right, Malaki, he hasn't is, quite got enough points has he, he hasn't got enough points he deserves Winters, to go home yeah. Winters yeah. is like trying to find every opportunity to get people to go home and he's like yeah they're, they're doing a show in Paris and we need to send a representative I don't think you'll be coming back to us go to Paris and, and, and yeah. stay yeah, there basically. The war, basically yeah Yeah, and uh, Winters knows how much malaki has gone through and it, it means a lot to him um, and Shifty as well I think it's a little bit earlier in the, in the episode um again shifty's got no points no points for poor old shifty the sniper because he's never been injured he's never been injured and stuff like this like points are accumulated based on injury and this that and the other shifty's never been injured so he doesn't have any fucking points and they absolutely hate that so they're all like okay we need to send somebody home we're gonna have uh we're gonna put names into a hat and whoever's right. name we pick out is the person that gets sent home. There's only one name in that hat, and it's Shifty. And they're all smile because they're like, "This is this this is the sniper who fucking saved so many of our lives. This guy deserves to go home." And it's his conversation, which I alluded to in the previous uh, episode, where Shifty goes up to Winters before he's about to. Uh, get on his journey home which we learn is a lot longer and he has accidents and stuff but he finally gets home but it's where he goes up to winters and he just says i don't quite know how i'm going to explain this to the people back home Mm. because you can see the absolute horror that he's gone through but he understands why he had to do it and winters kind of explains you did 
you you were there you you defended your brothers and you did what was asked of you nobody could ask anything more but it is that it's that thing it's that thing that every single soldier from that war as i touched on about with my granddad they all went home with these horrors of the war and they how do you explain that when you know you, you go home to people oh you fought in the war you must have been a badass and stuff like that i can understand why my granddad was always reluctant to talk about it because it's not a tale that you want to tell it's not a tale that you want to talk about your friends dying and this that and the other and this is the moment for me that really sings that true that he has that conversation with winters and he just tells him you were a good soldier you saved a lot of people's lives don't be bad about that you did the right thing uh so as it comes to a close we then see the various uh imposition uh, the the um imposed figures that we've seen throughout the entire thing the documentary figures and we get the, to see the, talking the real head figures, yeah. talking head figure so we get to see all the 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 real um winters and various other characters uh gonorrhea is in there and stuff like that so you know that uh he and joe uh made it back alive and that you get to see them in this and they go through the various stories of how they had reunions and get-togethers and how he lost touch with nixon but then he got back in touch with him kind of just before this kind of series kicked off and that they had to be able to build a relationship and it just emphasized by the end of this that they um that they were this band of brothers, that they went through all this horrible shit together, but they had each other's backs. And by the end, yeah, it's it's just one of the best series I've ever watched that shows such detail for World War Two, both from a technical standpoint of the visual action of of battles to the emotional, mental fatigue that you see uh, on the soldiers' faces. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think it's it it is an incredible series. It covers so many different aspects, as you say. It, it has episodes where it gets bogged down in the detail of supply lines and medics, and then it has episodes that are just all about a massive all-out artillery battle on the front lines of the war. Um, I I, I have got to mention your mate Shifty because fuck, man, how what? I know you said shit happens to him, but yeah, I wrote it down. So, <laughs> yeah, on his journey home, yeah, on the way to the plane that's going to take <laughs> him home, he gets fucked up in a car accident. Yeah, man, that guy cannot catch a fucking <laughs> break, dude. <laughs> he's gone the entire war yeah, without being injured, injured, and on his way home, he gets injured, and he's out like for like six months to a year. He's in hospital, like getting his. Leg sorted or something. It, oh, a point oh. about life in general, isn't there? That it's yeah. all about risk. He was at a far higher risk of getting injured or dying when he was in the battlefield. But when you get in a car to drive anywhere, you take on an element of risk because it's not even under your control. Someone else could crash into you and kill you. And you there may have been nothing you could do about it, even though you were the one controlling your car. You don't know when these things are going to happen. Life is about risk in general. There is risk associated with everything. And you have to decide whether the risk is, whether the risk profile is okay for you or not for you to carry out that action. And that's, that's what life comes down to in, in all facets. You know, the, I, I would even apply that to the scenario we're going through right now. 
it's not going anywhere. So I think we we all just have to start deciding how much of a risk factor we can live with to go, you know, to carry on with our daily lives. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've got, like say, yay, Buck. I'm glad Buck came at the end. I liked mm-hmm. the whole wrap up thing. And yes, they told me who the talking heads were. So I knew who I'd been listening to. And yeah, it it was a very emotional, impactful ending. Um, yeah, I think it's incredible. I'm really glad that I've watched it. Um, I'd say because it, it it wasn't just. I think my whole thing about I don't like war movies is that I think things like Private Ryan turned me off it because I felt that was a bit too blockbuster. Mm-hmm. It it focused on the bits it wanted to because it like you know I'd never argue that the opening D Day sequence is an incredible piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Because it is on a technical level, it's absolutely fantastic. However, I don't get anywhere near the sort of empathetic reaction with that film as I do with the series Band of Brothers, because I don't ever feel like the character the, the characters always feel a bit too glossy. Yeah, when I'm watching it, you know, yeah, no, I just, that yeah. certain element yeah. of Hollywood yeah. gloss. My example at the minute is actually before they pulled the trailers because they're pushing it is the trailer for No Time to Die, the next Bond film, has Daniel Craig on a bridge, and he's kind of got muck on his cheeks and stuff, mm. but he still looks glossy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. They've managed to try and make him look dirty. Okay, we're going to put you in some makeup. Like a glossy Hollywood we're paint star some mud on. Yeah. that's got a little bit of carefully yeah. placed mud on his cheeks. It just yeah. looks too glossy. And like I, you said, I feel with like the, that um... about some of the Hollywood war movies that have been made. Stuff like the World War Two in color that we've covered, stuff like this, uh, stuff like Pearl Harbor. What a fantastic war movie that is! Um, please no, I'm joking. Please no, I'm joking. Please don't, don't jump on me. I'm that not going to lie. That was me there trying are... to trigger people. All right. <laughs> it's it's funny because you know what? If you actually cut out sections of that film, I think it would be watchable. But it's the the dual love story where she ends up with one of the dudes, then he dies, so she goes with the other dude, yeah. who then died, so she flips back to the other dude, whose son she's just had. Yeah. Fuck off. Well, I, um, I think, if I'm being honest, I think you could cut together maybe a half an hour to 45 minute incredible action sequence. Yes. That's yes. that's about all I could pull out of it, because I, you know, we know this. Michael Bay knows how to do action. We know he does. I'd never argue that point. I think he's a very competent action director with, with even elements of flair I he just goes so far as to say he just times. lacks the emotional and uh, psychological yeah, he has no idea how to put a story together and to add any emotional emotional pathos um anyway yeah i think it's fantastic i'm glad i've watched it um i obviously i don't know anything about the pacific series which followed this but I, you know, I, I, yeah, I'd be up for watching that if you wanted to do one on that at some point. Happy to um, do so. So, yeah. The, we've got our next couple planned out. So, we we'll have, uh, yeah. perhaps look at it after that. Yeah. So, the Pacific, uh, for those who, who don't know, again, if you've if you've listened to the Band of Brothers and you, you're going to go and watch that or you've watched it and, uh, and l- interested in another one. Yes, there was a, another series called The Pacific, which was set, ironically enough, on the Pacific side uh, of the uh, World War Two. Um, which is something uh, I know absolutely zero about, really. Which is exactly the same as I was. There's a lot of places that you will have heard of, uh, Iwo Jima uh, and and things like yeah. that. Um, you all... Yeah, Clint Eastwood did a couple of films, didn't he? Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima. Yeah, yeah. So you get... Too. 
you get to to meet a couple of again. You may have heard of a couple of the in characters um, from it. Again, I won't I won't say too much on it because it'd be nice. But it was a really good one. I still prefer Band of Brothers over the Pacific. Uh, the Pacific is really harsh in a couple of places. It really really touches on the uh, PTSD and the psychological impact, particularly for one of the characters. Um, and that is something that we'll, we'll heavily touch on. Uh, there is also, uh, I think I may have mentioned it previously uh, in one of our news segments on our previous episode, but there is also another series from the same guys who brought us Banner Brothers and brought us the Pacific, uh, and that's called Masters of the Air. So that will obviously okay. be covering the aerial uh, side of the battles, etc., uh, so I'm very, very much looking forward to that. I'd be I think interested to see that. Absolutely. Is now, that out now, or is that like no, a no, no? Series? That's that's under production at the moment. Oh, so that's okay. in production. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So again, I think we're you know, having watched Banner Brothers Pacific. Yeah, they're ground ground based assaults, etc., which uh, is easier to shoot. Whereas now, obviously, yeah. with technology, I think yeah. Uh, I again, having seen. Uh, Dunkirk, thank you, Dunkirk. I was about to say 1917, but no, Dunkirk. Uh, and the flight sp- sequences in there. I well, totally they just need to go and talk to yeah. Nolan and say, give us all the kit you designed Basically, and yeah. made for that film, because that gimbal they designed for the in- interior shots is yeah. fucking incredible. Now, I've heard it may be only a six-episode run as opposed to okay. a ten, but that's I don't know that for definite. That is something I read a while ago. So. I suppose there might not be as much story to tell in the air because the air were essentially supporting the ground, weren't they, a lot of the time? So Yeah, and be, also budgetary... Uh, you don't want to go over the same ground again exactly. just looking at it from above, do you? you yeah. Look at the, the... You know, for example, uh, from, from the, the, allies, the UK allied side of it, we have the Battle of Britain was our big air battle of the war that we make films about if we're going to, or the Dam Busters. That was a, another UK aerial attack that we look at. Um, other than that, it's all, like you say, it's a D-Day and Dunkirk and stuff for, for, for the UK. And obviously the Americans uh, have their side of it as well, which, like you say, does sort of cross into the Pacific elements. Yeah, good. Well, I enjoyed that. I very much enjoyed that show. And like you say, yes, I will probably go back and watch some more of it at some point. It's it's one I'd like to watch with the good lady teacher um, when we can finally sit down and watch some telly again at some point. Um, I actually saw her yesterday, though, for the first time in fucking 11 weeks, which was really nice. Um, so I think we will leave it at that stage. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you would like to get involved, go to the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the screen masters. You can send us a message through that. Um, or you can uh, email directly at screenmasters at pipebackmedia.co.uk and you can head over to the YouTube at bit.ly forward slash bitebackyt uh, to go and look at the YouTube stuff. And How do you spell bite? Well, the bite, you see, it's funnily enough, it's spelled like a computer bite. Not a Is it? Bite. Is it? Um, oh, didn't know that. <laughs> I know. God, remember, there might be new people. We might be getting to through to a new audience. That new audience That's made it. it to the end of this episode or whether they've turned off by now, but you know, they might have done. Anyway, I have been Bav. I have been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters. <laughs>